My name is Cindy Burnett, and I am the host of the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is now a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. Each episode, I interview authors about their latest works. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Today, I am doing something a little different, and I am chatting with two bookstagrammers whose accounts I really enjoy following. Katie Fulton of Katie Needs a Bigger Bookshelf and Desiree Borkin of The Boozy Reader are here to talk more about bookstagram and the books they loved and didn't love. In the first grade, Katie needed extra help while learning to read, but since then, she hasn't put books down. She read 308 books last year. She is very active on Instagram and Goodreads with book reviews and sharing her love of books at Katie Needs a Bigger Bookshelf. She is well known for her annual book tree at Christmas. Desiree is a mom of four who somehow finds time to read most days. She is active on Bookstagram as the boozy reader and loves to share her book reviews there as well as on Goodreads. She reads a mix of genres and enjoys talking books with anyone who will listen. Besides books, she loves candles and cooking. I really enjoyed speaking with them and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Katie and Des. How are you guys today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good too. Why don't we begin with each of you talking a little bit about how you got started? So I was just using my personal account and it was actually, I was already called the boozy reader on my personal account, but I was posting books and stuff that I was reading. And then I just came across some of the bigger accounts. And that's when I realized that bookstagram was an actual thing that existed. So I just started posting only books after that. And then I came across like NetGalley and found out about getting ARCs and stuff. And that's just how it went. (laughs) Katie, how about you? So kind of the same thing. Like I had seen some of the bigger accounts and I followed some of them on my personal account. And I started, I was following Ashley Spivey. And so I started going into her book club on Facebook. And that's where I found out about NetGalley. So I started using NetGalley and I ended up getting denied for Christina Alger's new book, Girls Like Us. And I really wanted to read it. So I decided to be super ballsy and I sent her a message on Instagram and she responded and she said, hey, here's my publicist email, reach out to her. So I reached out to her publicist and the first thing she said back to me was, do you have a blog? Do you have a bookstagram? Anything like that? And I didn't. So I created one that day. I ended up not getting Christina's book. I had to buy it for myself, but I did end up getting a lot more. Well, what part do you enjoy the most about bookstagram? So by far, the best part for me is the friendships that I've gained through my account, one of them being Des. So I kind of found a a group of book lovers on Goodreads, and we had started a chat on Instagram, and that has been like my main chat basically since then, and Des was one of those. And so they've become some of my best friends, and I am anxiously awaiting the day that we get to meet each other in person. Yeah, Katie and I were supposed to meet at a book promotion And then it got canceled. And then not long after that, here came COVID. And we were very sad. (laughs) Yeah, the community aspect is what I like the most about it. Everyone's really friendly and supportive. And Katie's one of the first friends I made. And we have like a little group, like she said, a little chat group that we talk on a daily basis throughout the day. And I also really like when Bookstagram like bands together to support a cause or if someone's in need, everyone kind of comes through for them. It's just like one big community. (laughs) 
I agree. That's what I like about it too. And the other thing that I like is that you can see so many book reviews in one place. Like for me, it's a little bit harder with blogs because then you're having to follow each independent blog as you go. But in Bookstagram, you can just scroll through and either you're going to see a trend like a book that's all over the place or you learn about a book you don't know anything about. So I just think it's kind of fun because it's all in one place. Agree. Yeah, I agree. What about what you don't like about it or what you enjoy the least? There's some drama. I see people get piled up on a lot without being able to have any kind of explanation or defend themselves. And then they sort of get shunned, like in the whole bookstagram community. Sometimes it's warranted, I know. But I feel like a lot of people hop on the bandwagon of going against something that they don't really necessarily know what they're even hopping on, if that makes sense. It totally does. I mean, and I think that's a problem that is way wider than Bookstagram. I mean, I think that's happening everywhere, but I definitely see it unfolding a fair amount in the Bookstagram community. And I just try to stay out of all of it. There's no need for drama. Yeah, that's that's my least favorite part too, is just sometimes when, you know, I think readers tend to be very open-minded and I think sometimes you see something and it might just be that your friend said, hey, this happened and this is wrong. And sometimes the person doesn't get a chance to really respond or realize, like have that opportunity to learn and grow before they just get like piled on and like Des said, like shunned. Yeah, people sharing it in their stories and making all these comments and doing all these things that just sometimes seem a little unnecessary. And like you said, people haven't had time to even defend themselves or say what they mean, because I think things can be interpreted various ways too. Exactly. And I think sometimes like just giving them an opportunity to to recognize why what you said was wrong and teaching instead of just, hey, you're messed up and we're gonna, you know, call you out to everybody in Bookstagram. <laughs> right. Right. There's a lot of things I feel like could just be sent, a, you know, send the person a private message and it could be talked out. And instead I see it all over stories and it's like, whoa. And you think sometimes if people would just sort of, you know, listen to the people that are talking, but maybe not just leap in with very little knowledge, it would be a lot better. I think that's the case in most life situations. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely everywhere. Definitely is everywhere. Well, how about how you got started? I know we talked about how you got started with Bookstagram, but how did you get started developing your relationship with publishers? Because I think that's a question I see posted a lot in Facebook groups and even on Instagram. I get that question a lot. So how did you all begin that process? So honestly, I'm just very true to myself and to my page. So when I started this page, it was obviously I wanted Christina's book, but I started it more because I wanted to share my reviews. And so review posts tend to not do as well as stacks, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to switch and not do those reviews because that's why I started my page. So I'm always tagging the publishers in my posts. I DM with them. I share excitement about the books that I love. The biggest thing I've always tried to do is if I request a book, I'm going to make a point to read it and review that book before pub day. I get a lot of books unsolicited now. And while I wish I had time to read all of them, I unfortunately don't. So, you know, I don't, I try not to stress myself out with trying to get to everything. But if I specifically reach out and ask for a book and then I get it, I want to make sure that I review it and share it. And I think publishers see that and have learned that about me. So they know if she asks for a book, she's going to post about it. And with respect to that, if you really don't like the book, do you go ahead and post like a two-star review or do you reach back out to them and say, you know, I really thought I was going to like this book, but it just wasn't the book for me? It depends. So if I DNF a book, I will generally reach back out to the publisher and say like, hey, I wasn't feeling this. 
I don't want to post about it. Or I'll say, do you want me to just do like a feature post about it? And then if I really hated the book, kind of the same thing. I either won't post it or I'll just post like a feature about it. Or I'll say like, I didn't love this book. Um, It wasn't for me. And I'll explain why. And then say, if you like XYZ, you'll probably really like this book. That's a good way to do it. Because the only problem I see sometimes with features is that when I do a feature, then I still have some of my friends say, oh, you just posted about that book. And they don't really make the distinction between whether I really liked it and posted a glowing review and whether I posted a feature. Yeah. Des, what about you? Well, I mean, I'm pretty similar as far as just trying to make sure that if I request something, I do read it. I do review it. I like to email them when I'm done with the review so that I know they see it. Tagging publishers, tagging authors and stuff like that. As far as books I don't like, a lot of times I can at least find something that I liked to say about it. So, you know, I'll put what I liked. And then very similar to Katie, this didn't work for me. But a lot of the books that I don't like are books that a lot of other people did like. So I'll (laughs) usually say, you know, this one didn't work for me, but I've seen a ton of really great reviews and, you know, you should still read it and see what you think. Because I'm the unpopular opinion a lot. So I don't tag the publishers usually if it's not the a really great review and I definitely don't tag the author, but I still post it because I want to be honest. That's a good way to do it. Just say this may not have been my book, but I've seen these, you know, five people loved it. Check out their reviews. What are your favorite genres and have they changed over time over your bookstagram careers or have you stuck with the things that you've always liked? My whole reading has changed, I feel like, since I started Bookstagram. I used to read, like, only thrillers and classics, pretty much. Now I'll read pretty much anything. I mean, I even just started reading rom-coms, and I used to be, like, dead set against those. I don't even have a favorite genre anymore, because I just feel like I read a mix of everything now. Yeah. It also, I feel like it helps me stay away from reading slumps as much, because I always have something different that I that I can pick up, instead of the same old thing. That's a good way to look at it. Katie, what about you? I feel very much the same. I definitely think I read a little bit more broadly. I don't think my overall preferences have really changed, but I do feel like they ebb and flow a lot. So this past year, I don't think I'm, I think I could speak for everybody when I say it's been rough. It didn't really affect my reading until like January when it was really cold and it was winter and I was getting like that seasonal stuff and on top of being home for a full year and all that craziness. So like right now I'm having a really hard time with like super literary reads, which is new to me, but I'm sure I'll get back into them. I just not try to force myself when I'm feeling a slump because that just leads to a bigger slump. So February, I read a lot of rom-coms and just like really easy to read thrillers, but that will change as, as the year goes on and you know, everything kind of just ebbs and flows. I think that's right. And I also feel like because of COVID and then because of the election, so many books got pushed to January, February, and March that, I mean, every time I turned around, there were five new books coming out that I didn't even know very much about. There's just been a ton hitting the market in the last three months. Same. (laughs) I've seen so many books that I'm like, I've never seen that before. You posted it. (laughs) And it's just funny because I feel like that doesn't really happen to me much at this point, but I feel like it's happened so much the last few months. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So the thing I struggle with the most is a very good system for keeping up with it all. What do you all do for that? So I am very type A and that helps me tremendously. But in all seriousness, like there isn't 
a way to keep up with all of it. There are so many books that I want to read. And unfortunately, I, I just don't have the time. And that's with having read like 60 books already this year. So I keep a lot of lists. Any books that I request, physical or NetGalley, I keep a need to read list in my notes app. And it's in order of pub day. And I try to kind of keep to that schedule. Sometimes I get a book that I'm really excited about. I have to read it the second it comes. But generally, I stick to keeping with that schedule. And then I also have a note with pub dates of what comes out when. So I know when I do my pub day post, I know all the books that are coming out that day and I don't forget anything. I also have another note with my post scheduled out. So right now I'm scheduled out about a month and a half and a list of photos that I need to take. So I'll have all my reviews at the bottom. Everything's ready to go. I just have to copy and paste it into Instagram. And then on Mondays, I make a draft for all my posts for the week so that I can just go in and hit post and it's done. When I get book mail, the first thing I do is check the pub dates and add them to my pub day note. And then I post a thank you to my stories to the publisher. Oh, I've also started book mail Monday to keep up with because I tended to get a huge stack of book mail and then be like, oh, I need to do a post. And then there's like, 50 books that I need to fit into it. So doing book mail Monday kind of keeps up with consistently posting book mail so I don't forget about it. I love that. I actually copied it from you because that exact same thing happens to me. So I'm like, I'm copying Katie's book mail Monday and every third Monday or whatever, I'm just going to go ahead and do one. I love that idea. Well, and I was so scheduled out that I wouldn't schedule in a a book mail post. And then I'm like, oh, I need to do a book mail post. And I'm like, okay, well now I'm going to have to double up. That's very organized. Do you save all of your posts? Like just, do you just have them in Word or in notes and then you just copy and paste them that morning? How does that work? Or do you use a scheduler? Nope. I don't use a scheduler. They're in my notes app on my phone. And I just like, as soon as I finish a book, I write the review and I write it in my notes app. I put it into NetGalley. If it was a NetGalley book, I copy it to Goodreads so that it's there, it's ready to go. And then at the top, I have like all the dates and when it's posted. So on Monday, I'll make the posts in Instagram for the whole week and save them as drafts so that it's just super easy to just go in and post. Oh, that's fabulous. I should do some of that because it would definitely keep me more organized. Instead, they're all floating around in my head and I'm like, I need to do this one. I need to do that one. And then sometimes some of them never get done. But originally, like I had done a bunch of drafts for like three weeks and then they all disappeared one day. So that's why I only do one week at a time. Well, and I've never really used the draft feature in Instagram. So that's a great idea. And then you just have it ready to go, pull up the one and hit go. Yep. How about you, Des? So Katie's goals about planning and posting <laughs> I'm not that organized at all. I'm old school. I have a planner. I don't write my reviews right after I read the book. I'm always behind on reviews. I write my reviews when I make the post. I don't schedule out my photos. I literally take my photo every single day. I'm just really not organized at all, and no one should do it like me. I mean, it's what works for me. I think people need to do what works best for them, and obviously, it seems like, you know, there's many different systems, and that works. I'm much more like you, Des. I wish I were much more like Katie, just with respect to posting on Instagram, which is why then I don't end up doing it as regularly as I need to. So I need to find some happy medium. But like with respect to the podcast, I'm great about having it all laid out and calendared and my planner, but I I just need a better system still for who sent me the book and sometimes coming up with pub dates and making sure I get it read by then. That's where I still feel like I'm falling through the cracks a little bit. Yeah, Katie is definitely like the goal for 
planning. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Most I definitely. Like that. I'm like, month and a half, what? I'm like, well, I really like the Midnight Library, which I still have not posted about. And I read it like six weeks ago. I, I need to adopt at least part of Katie's plan because I'm not sure I could do it all. It sounds fabulous, but I don't know that I could be that organized, but that is amazing. Yes, it is. I also read a lot and I, I want to post a review for every book that I read. And so if I didn't plan it, it would just be a mess. Like there are some times where I'll be like, wait a minute, I know I took a picture and I have a review written for this book. Why haven't I posted that yet? And then I go back and I see, oh, because I forgot to add it to my schedule. (laughs) Well, and writing a review right when you finish the book is the way to do it because it's fresh in your head. So instead, I'm, you know, two weeks later thinking, what exactly did I like so much about that book? Definitely finishing it up, writing the review is the way to go. I forget characters' names all the time and then I have to go back. Yeah. Or even things that I really enjoyed about the plot. I mean, you know, little things that I'm like, oh, I really want to make sure I mention that. So definitely that needs to be at least, maybe I'll work in phases here. And my number one goal will be just writing the review as soon as I'm done reading the book. Yeah, I really need to do that. It definitely helps. I'm sure it does. Well, what about surprising things? Like what has surprised you the most about Bookstagram? Um, I did not expect to make any friends, let alone like the best friends ever. I was talking about earlier, Katie and I are in a group with some other people that we talk to on a daily basis. And they've literally become like my best friends. Like I go to them and tell them about things that happen in my life, good or bad, right away. Like they're the first people I tell like after my husband, I didn't expect to make these lifelong friends at all. I feel like I spend all this time telling my children, don't befriend people on the internet. <laughs> and then you yeah. turn around and, you know, in these Facebook groups and these Instagram groups, you're making all of these friends and people that I text with regularly or DM with. And so it is kind of funny. It seems like it's the flip of what I always preach to my children. Yeah, I agree with that. So I was just kind of surprised by how many people love books as much as I do. Like, I never imagined that I'd have almost 20,000 people that cared about one books and two, what I think about books, but also the friendship thing. So I remember when I started and I signed on and made an account and you follow these big people and you're like, oh my God, they have such close friendships. And like, at first it can feel very like isolating. You're like, I'm never going to have friendships like that. And then you start to make them and it's, it's amazing. Like, like Des said, like I sometimes go to them and I tell them things that people in my life don't even know. It's funny that you mentioned, like when you say to your kids, don't talk to people on the internet, because when Des and I were going to meet, he's in North Carolina and I'm in Pennsylvania. And we were going to meet at this book event that was halfway. And my boyfriend was like, wait, you're doing what? You're you're going to meet who? And I was like, Des. And he's like, but like, you don't even know her. And I was like, we've Skyped. We've talked on the phone. We talk every day. <laughs> like, I was like, she's like my best friend. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I like that. And the other thing that surprised me is how many accounts there are. There are so darn many Bookstagram accounts. It's really unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And there's new ones just popping up all the time. What about trends in the publishing industry? Have you all noticed any trends recently? So I'm seeing a lot more diversity, which makes me really happy. I think there's still a ways to go, but I'm glad to see kind of what's being done so far, especially in the the rom-com genre and young adults. I love to learn about different cultures and I've seen a lot of new and exciting reads in, in those genres. And so I really enjoy that. I agree. Pretty much the same thing with noticing diversity and also publishers reaching out to try to get certain books out to like own voices readers and stuff. I'll get an email from a publisher wanting to send me a book for a book tour or something. At the bottom of the email, it'll say, you know, if you know any bookstagrammers that are own voices readers, 
pass this along to them so they can sign up, which I think is really good too. I've noticed that too. I also feel like definitely rom-coms have had a huge boom. Yes. And I feel like historical fiction, because that's what I read a lot of. I feel like there's been a ton more historical fiction, but more like in the last two or three years, not just in the last year. Yeah. And I've seen them stop comparing every thriller to Gone Girl, which (laughs) is very nice because every thriller is not Gone Girl. (laughs) And also not having every historical fiction World War II based, because I feel like I'm so burnt out on it. And now there's so much more out there, I feel like, that I want to read it again. I was like, so much World War II, it was like, too much. I agree, because most of those stories are going to be decently grim, and so it's sometimes nice to just cover a different historical period. I never get tired of World War II, but I'm one of the few, I think. But I also love reading about all these other periods, and I just think that's a great way to read history without it being as dry as sometimes true nonfiction history books are. Yes, definitely. Well, is there anything else I didn't ask that you'd like to talk about before we talk about what you've read and liked and not liked? I don't think there's anything specific that I can think of. I guess, you know, my biggest advice to a new bookstagrammer, and we talked a little bit about some of this, would just be to be yourself and do what works for you. So I know it can get really easy to get wrapped up in the numbers and trying to emulate somebody else that you see and trying to get followers because you are doing the same thing as them. But that kind of stuff only leads to burnout. So Bookstagram, as much as I love it, it is also a lot of work and we're not getting paid. So if you're not enjoying it, don't do it (laughs) and make sure that what you are doing is something that you do enjoy so that you don't end up burnt out. I think that's great advice because it truly is a labor of love. I mean, you're not getting paid. Sometimes I have to just step away for like a week and be like, you know what? There's a lot of other stuff going on. I'm not going to worry about Instagram for a week. Then I hop back on and it just kind of helps me clear my head a little bit and then enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah. And you see these people that join and they, you know, post five times a day for a week straight and then they just disappear. (laughs) Oh, they haven't posted since July of 2019. (laughs) (laughs) After that one or two week of straight, you know, five times a day. Well, my favorite part is to always hear what people are reading and loving and then occasionally also what they're not loving. Okay. So the first book that I loved was The House in the Cerulean Sea. It was just, that book is a warm hug. That is the only way to describe it. I haven't read that one yet, but I did read The Extraordinaries by the same author and loved it a lot. I haven't read that one, but I've been seeing it all over Instagram and soon it'll be an Instagram made me do it. Yeah. Let it make you do it. It made me do it. (laughs) So worth it. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. Well, how about you, Des? What's your first one? Okay, so one of my favorites last year was The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. I agree on that one as well. (laughs) And that's another that Instagram's going to make me do it, but I haven't gotten to it yet. But it keeps getting recommended by authors on the podcast all the time too, and I see it all over Instagram. Yeah, that was a good one. Katie? Second one is The Authenticity Project. And this one came out in 2020, and it came out on my birthday. And it's one that I haven't really seen a lot, but I just really loved it. It was just one of those really solid, feel-good stories. I have seen you and... A couple other people mentioned that they loved it, but it seems to be really underhyped because I don't, I didn't see it that much. I know, and I don't know why. That's always a curious thing to me if it's publisher choice, you know, how, how some books just seem to be everywhere. And then some books, even ones you like, you're talking about that you really like that hardly anybody has. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So another one that I loved last year was Anxious People, and I did it on audiobook, and I probably would not have loved it as much. If I didn't listen to it on audio, (laughs) but I did and I loved it. 
I have read that one too. And I really liked it up until the ending. And I, I think I this is definitely where I am like the one in a million who didn't like a book. But I just felt like the ending wrapped up too neatly. And I just, I don't know, maybe I was just not in the right mood when I finished it. I just sometimes feel like that just happens to me. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that have said that when they started Anxious People, like in the beginning, they weren't feeling it. And Jez, I forget who who it was that we said, no, you have to finish it. I remember that. it was, And they did. And they're like, oh, I'm so glad that you made me finish it. Yes, I know. But she, did, Katie did the same thing to me because I messaged the group and I was like, this book's terrible. I why are you guys all like so in love with this book? I hate it. I was like 60% in. I was like, this is the worst book. These people are giving me anxiety. <laughs> He's like, no, you have to finish. Like you literally have to finish it. We don't always agree on books. So I'm like, whatever, I'll try I, at the end, I was like, okay, fine. I'll admit it. It was so good. <laughs> See, and I just was the other way, which I know is, you know, very different from everyone else. I just loved it because I love his writing. A Man Called Uve is one of my favorite books. And so I just, you know, was so excited about it. I don't know. I must have just not been in the right headspace is all I can figure. I guess I need to finish it again. I hate when that happens. I'm yeah, like, no, I feel like that. Like, I know I would like this book, but I'm just not in the right space for it. <laughs> And there's been a lot of that in the last year, you know? So, well, Katie, what's next for you? So my third one is Una Out of Order. I just thought it was such a unique premise for a book. And I just loved every second of it. It kind of reminded me of the way I felt when I read like The Time Traveler's Wife. Like, I just loved it. That's another one that I've seen all over Instagram. And people seem to just absolutely love it. Yeah, I saw, I remember seeing it everywhere, but I never did read that one. I wanted to, but I just never got to it. That's like my constant refrain. I'd love to read that one, but I haven't had the time. <laughs> yeah. So one that just came out this week that I really, really loved is Firekeeper's Daughter. Oh, man. I just can't say enough about how much I love that book. There was so much about the culture and different like stories from their history. And it was like a learning experience with a really cool mystery mixed in. It was really good. Like everyone should read it. And it's under hype too, because I haven't seen it that much either, but it was so good. Is that Reese's pick this month? I don't know. I feel like it is. That, that's not ringing a bell, but that doesn't mean anything. So my fourth one is not out yet, but it is hysterical. It's Dial A for Aunties. And it just, if you want a book that like could really happen and is very realistic, don't bother. But if you just want something that is fun and enjoyable and will make you laugh, I read it in less than a day and it was just it was just perfection. <laughs> that is very high on my list. I have it. I just haven't gotten to it yet and I'm interviewing her in April and I can't wait because I've heard such great things about it. Oh, I can't wait to listen to your interview. I have that one on NetGalley and I'm really excited to read it too, especially after you said how much you loved it. And she's a hoot. She's on Twitter and she's very funny. Well, see, I'm not on book Twitter. I haven't. I'm not on Twitter. I just, it's too much. I can't do that much social media. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't really do a whole lot of, other than tweet about the podcast a little bit and then just follow a bunch of authors, author events, things like that. But she's very funny. So my favorite classic, which Katie <laughs> up on when I told her to read it, is Jane Eyre. Oh, I love Jane Eyre. I failed the buddy read. I'm going to make her read it one day. She will hate me, but she will read it. I read The Wife Upstairs. Doesn't that count? They're totally different books. <laughs> Des, have you read the series by Bella Ellis where she has the Bronte sisters solving mysteries? I read the first one. Okay. But I didn't read I read the first one too. I liked that one. I did too. I loved it. 
It was really good. She has a second one that just came out and I interviewed her recently and she's fascinating and she talks so much about her love for all three Brontes and all what she incorporated into the book. So I thought if you like Jane Eyre, you might like those books. Is there more than the second one? I know there was like the Diabolical Bones was the second one. Right. And I think she's working on a third, but okay. the second one, I think just, it was supposed to come out in November, but they pushed it to February. Oh, it just came out. I need to read Yeah. That. Yeah, so it I just really came liked out. The first one, I thought it was so fun. Yeah, me too. I absolutely loved it, and I thought she was just so clever with everything. And then when I talked to her and learned even more that she'd incorporated, I just thought it was fascinating. Katie, how about your last one? So my last one is also not out yet, and kind of like we talked before, Gone Girl being the best thriller. I feel like thrillers have kind of fallen into like a category where a lot of them follow the same kind of plot lines. This one does not, and it's called The Perfect Daughter. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was just different and it was, it kept me on my toes and I was just really fascinated by the entire story. I've almost stopped reading, especially domestic thrillers, because I do feel like it's either the same story over and over again, or it's just so crazy that you're thinking there's just no way this ever could happen. But I feel like that there have been some good ones in recent times and I apparently need to look for that one too. Yeah, Yeah, they've definitely come to like the woman is crazy or the man says she's crazy and he's a killer. And (laughs) I am so over that. I mean, love triangles, the cheating dudes and alcoholic women. It's just I'm over it all. Yeah, I agree completely. (laughs) But I feel like there have been some fun ones like the sanatorium and shiver that are sort of dealing with different things other than all the domestic drama that I have liked in recent times. Yeah. Well, Des, what's your last Uh, one? My last one's Honey Girl. Oh, I loved that one. That one was so good. And it was not anything like I was expecting. I love the cover on that one. like a rom-com, but it was actually kind of serious. Okay, good. I've seen that one a lot. Let's delve into the didn't like as well pile. And Des, do you want to go first this time? Sure. I'm going to start with the wedding date. I just, I just cannot with Drew. He was like probably the worst character I've read in a while. I didn't finish it. Oh, gosh. Well, probably because of Drew. Did you not like Drew? (laughs) You know, I think what happens to me sometimes is I just am not super drawn in and because there's just this huge stack that I always need to get to, that it wasn't necessarily that I hated it. I just didn't love it. And so I just moved on. Yeah. I don't think I really hated the book. It was just him. (laughs) I mean, I had a whole rant about him and my stories and everything. It was a whole thing. I just, ugh. Drew, no. Des really hates Drew. Yeah, I could tell. I was like, okay. And you know, I haven't read any more of her books. So is it, I know they kind of all connect, but it's not the same characters. Is it new characters each time? I read the first three and it's like the same, like the supporting characters from The Wedding Date are in The Proposal. Like it's the same big group of people, but two different standout characters, I guess. But I stopped reading the series because it's basically like the exact same book each time with different characters and it was just really getting old, so... Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And they ate too much pizza. Well, again, the third one. But they always have a different food. Like the first one was donuts. The second one was, I think, tacos. And the third one was nothing but pizza. Okay. That's hilarious. Well, I've only (laughs) half read the first one. So Katie, how about you? So I'm going to give a disclaimer. My first two are like the books that when someone says, what books didn't you like, I could go on forever. (laughs) Uh, And then my final three are more just like, Meh, I didn't really love them. So my first one is Normal People. And I will admit that I am not a character-driven reader. I do not like very character-driven novels. But I just felt like nothing was happening. 
and their relationship was stupid, and I just didn't care. And there are no quotations in that one, right? <laughs> I remember people commenting on that over and over again. I never really like noticed before. And maybe it was, and I've read books without quotations since, and it hasn't bothered me. But almost immediately in that book, it drove me insane. That's so funny. News of the World does not have quotations, and it didn't bother me in the slightest. That's one of my favorite books. And in fact, I didn't even really notice it till I was recommending it to people, and somebody came back and they're like, there are no quotation marks. So I think you're right. It just can depend on the story. I haven't read it, but I told Katie I was going to read it just to see if I love it, which I probably will. (laughs) So you guys can argue about it. (laughs) Okay. So my next one is The Push. I did not like The Push at all. That's my third one. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't read it because it did not sound like something I was going to like at all. Most people love it. And I'm just like, did we read the same book? I mean, Katie and I were messing. She read it before me. And then so the whole time I was reading it, I was just texting her the whole time like, oh, my God, this book. Should I even keep reading it? I just thought it was super boring. Nothing happened. I just it was very underwhelming. I thought it was going to be so good. It was a not as good version of Baby Teeth and We Need to Talk About Kevin, which I loved both of those books. And it just, this one just didn't have that. It didn't pull me in. Just sounded too grim. Nothing good happened in that book. Just also kept waiting for something to happen, like some kind of showdown or like anything. And it was just like, oh, that's the end. The dad thinks that the child is perfect little angel and mom is obviously crazy for thinking that this child could be horrible. Yeah, and that was another thing I didn't like about it. It was like three generations of mothers in that book and all of them had these serious major mental health issues and everybody was just like, eh, lock her in the room, put her in the bed, give her some toast every now and then, she'll be fine. And it just bothered me. It's like, I'm just over the whole like, oh, she's just crazy. My next one, Des and I very strongly disagree about, and this is the reason that Des is going to read normal people because she wants to be mean and disagree with me again. My book is Leave the World Behind. Again, nothing happened except everything happened, but nothing made sense and you never got answers for any of it. And the end was just like, what did I just read? (laughs) Why? Why did I just read that? See, I liked it because of all of those reasons. I liked Using my imagination, not knowing what happened, and just like the, it was just more, for me, that book was like a vibe. And it was like just a creepy vibe the whole time. And then at the end, it was like, ooh, I get to just imagine whatever I want to happen. No. He's like driving to the grocery store, and it's like the piece of gravel on the right side of the passenger wheel flicked up and hit the bottom of the car and made a clanging noise. Like, and you're like, who cares? I also did the audiobook. Did you do it on audio? No, I read it. I just have a special thing for Marin Ireland, and I think that's why I liked it so much too. But the only thing that was weird was like the weird sex part. Yeah, no, all of it was weird. <laughs> that is one that like I, re- I finished it because it was somewhat short, and I wish that I had just DNF'd it. I just really loved it. That's what I've seen play out all over Instagram is exactly what you two are describing. I think people that want an ending and a resolution and don't want to imagine what happened after are like, oh, and then people who are like Des who are thinking, oh, it's kind of fun to like creatively put my thoughts into it or, you know, it doesn't matter to me that I don't know exactly what happened. Love it. Yeah. 
Exactly. But I love look books like that because you, it's such a fun conversation. Those books right. make the best books because, yeah. you know, it's no fun when it's not an easy con- – or actually, it is an easy conversation when 10 people are all like, that was the best book I ever read. But, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Right. But when you have disagreements, there's much more conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm definitely not going to read that one because I, I am in Katie's camp there. I like to know I, – I need to understand what happened in the end and I don't want it left up to me to imagine what happened. Yeah, you definitely should not read that one. Okay. So who's next? So his and hers. I, Is that Alice Feeney? Yes. And I did Ugh. not like that book at all. <laughs> I didn't read that one. You didn't read it? No. I'm surprised. It was so huge. You wrote, usually oh, read yeah, it. denied on NetGalley. And then oh. I ended up getting audiobook arc, but you had read it and didn't like it. So I didn't oh. read it. <laughs> well, I did it on the audiobook. And the only reason I didn't DNF it was because the audio was pretty good. But it was basically like, let me use every single thriller trope there is for shock value. And it was way too much. The ending was, I just. There's really nothing good I can even say about that book, to be honest. And I can't remember the name of her first book, but that's exactly how I felt about it. It made me so mad. I ranted and raved for like three months about that book, and I just vowed never to read another one of her books again. (laughs) But it was the same way. I mean, every single trope was in there. They were all so ridiculously over the top. No one acts that way. And I just, it just made me mad. I spent the three or four hours reading it. And then I was like, nope, I am done with her forever. Yeah, that's, I mean, that was my first book by her, but I don't think I'd read another one if you're saying that that's how the first one was too because it was way too much for me and I saw it on so many people's like top books of 2020 list last year and I was like what did we read the same book but I think a lot of people like that over the top crazy reveals and twists and turns and stuff but for me it was just too much that's what I was just gonna say I do think some people love that they think it's so much fun to have it all the over the top and I'm on the flip side of it I'm like there's no way any single part of this book would really happen and then I just get hung up with that and annoyed Yeah. So my third one was The Push. So Des, you're back up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Love Your Life by Sophie Kinsella or however you say it. Oh, I haven't read that one. Oh God, it was so bad. But I I made the mistake of not realizing that all of her books, characters are like the main character in this book because that was the first time I ever read anything by her. And like after I reviewed it, everybody was like, oh yeah, that's how her characters are. Super quirky. And I'm like, quirky? No, that was awful. Like her dog was chewing her boyfriend's shirts up and she's just like, oh, stop it. Like, that's so cute. Oh my God. It was terrible. Like she had what she called recycled furniture, AKA used furniture that was like falling apart. And every time her boyfriend walked in, like he would bump into a shelf and it would just break. And like her doors were coming off the hinges. That book was so ridiculous. I read it in a buddy read and it was actually a really great buddy read book because like there were a lot of people that were like oh I love her she has the best quirky characters and then people that were like me that were like this was the worst (laughs) I have read one of her books like ages ago but I haven't since Mm -hmm. and I apparently will not after that (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't read that one unless you like ridiculous characters that like nothing I don't know but I also don't read like a ton of like rom com romance books and stuff but I still like it to be somewhat realistic. Like the people in that book would have never, ever, ever, ever been. There's just no way. Yeah. Well, I guess there's only so many stories and so people feel like they have to really stretch it sometimes. I guess. So my next one, this is one that I didn't hate. Like it's not something that I'll, you know, rage about forever. But Astrid Sees All. I was really excited for it because it was about like New York in the 80s. And I thought it was going to be so fun. And it just 
it just didn't do it for me. It was one of those ones that I was like, I don't know why, maybe it's the headspace I'm in, but it just didn't pull me in. I wasn't really attracted to any of the characters and didn't feel that connection to them. I had passed on that one because I was uncertain about it. I saw your review because you posted recently, didn't you? Because several people have, and it seems like that that's kind of the general consensus so far. Yeah, I didn't read that one. Yeah, my list is so high that right now I feel like unless it just sounds amazing to me, I'm having to try to say no more often, which I never want to do because they all sound good, you know, but so I had passed and then I keep seeing people say the same thing you're saying. So I was like, okay. So how about you, Des? What's up for you next? Uh, The Divines. I'm trying to think of what that is. It's like a pink cover with like a half of a girl and her hands up. And yeah, it came out like maybe in January or February or something. Okay. It's a... One of those boarding school bad girl books, but it was terrible. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> Did you read it, Katie? I didn't because you read it and told me that I would hate it. <laughs> you would. See, that's good. You, would, you wouldn't like it. Yeah, it's not good. Saves you the time. And it's I've fun. had like several chats with people like when I posted my review that were like, oh my God, same. So I, it wasn't just me on that one. I always sort of wonder how those books even – get out into the world because there are some that just seem to universally not really be liked. And you're thinking, how did it get as far as it did? Yeah. Yeah. And then you read some that you feel like nobody's talking about and you're like, but it's amazing. (laughs) Absolutely. And those are the ones I feel worse for because, you know, you're thinking that's a really good book and they should be promoting it more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That happens a lot. So my final book, I'm probably going to get like you know, hung at the bookstagram stake for. Um, So I'm going to give the disclaimer to start that I didn't hate the book. I just didn't love the book. And I think that there are better versions of the book. (laughs) So I did not love Red, White, and Royal Blue. And I think everybody loved it. But it just felt, it just felt so unrealistic. It was like every chapter they would talk on like, texting and then they would meet in person and they'd have sex. They wouldn't talk for a while and then they would talk and then they would meet in person and they'd have sex. (laughs) It was just like, it was too much. And then I read boyfriend material and I was like, oh my God, this book is amazing. And it was, they were very similar stories. They were different, but similar enough that I was like, no, everybody needs to read boyfriend material and let's get off the red, white and royal blue train. (laughs) I remember seeing it all over Instagram, but I didn't read it. Yeah, I didn't read it either, but I definitely saw a lot of people that loved it so much. Oh my God, people love it. But I feel like that's how the wedding date was, except for the texting part. The whole book was just, hey, I'm going to fly to your city and then we'll have sex and pizza. Well, no, that one was donuts. We'll have donuts. I was going to say, you got the wrong food. (laughs) Donuts and then I'll fly back to your place next time and we can have donuts and sex some more. And that was the whole book. And it's just like, this is boring. And weird. Well, and that that kind of defeats the purpose of a romance too. I mean, isn't that the idea of a romance that they build up this relationship? So if all they're doing is texting and having sex or eating donuts and having sex, you've missed the relationship part of it. I could just, you know, find a way to read porn. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Basically, that's what it is. Yeah. Des and Katie, I've had so much fun talking to you guys today about Bookstagram, how you got started, what books you liked, what books you didn't, all of it. Thank you so much for joining me on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. Thank you so much for having us. This was so much fun. I had a great time. Yes. Thanks for inviting us. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you'll tune in next time.
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.